If you're looking for ways to prioritize your health and fitness, run more efficiently, understand food, and somehow fit it all into a fun and family-centered life, you're in the right place. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. Thanks so much for joining us today on another episode of the Real Life Runners podcast. This is episode number 17, and it's pretty cool that we've already made it to 17 episodes, don't you think, Kev? Yeah, I think that's awesome. Uh, this is uh, this is a big undertaking for us, and it's just exciting to get so much information out there. Yeah, it's a, it's been a lot of fun and talking to you guys every week, and um, we've loved hearing some of the feedback that you guys have given us, and it, this whole process has just been such a fun thing that we've been doing this these last couple months so we really hope that you all are enjoying our podcast if you have any suggestions for us of any topics you might like us to cover um in the new year send us an email at support at realliferunners.com we would absolutely love to hear any feedback you guys might have so on to the episode today so the christmas season um and holiday season is upon us and um, we're starting to come to the end of it now. And I know that, you know, a lot of people, a lot of my friends in my running group and we're super excited about a lot of the running themed gifts that they got this year. And one of the big gifts that a lot of people received were um, various forms of Garmin running watches. So today we thought we would talk a little bit about technology in the running world and um, how much, you know, technology is now playing a role and maybe some of the pros and cons of, of that whole idea. I think when you start looking technology, you got to go way before we start hitting a watch. You know, I was just reading a thing on uh, I don't know, online the other day about this guy who had run the New York Marathon and then ran it 30 years later and the differences that he saw. And one of his favorite differences was um, how did anybody ever possibly run before wicking fabrics? <laughs> wicking fabrics. <laughs> right? Like the ability to run in a shirt that isn't just like 400 pounds of soggy cotton by the end of a run is amazing. Well, and that's really helped with a lot of people's chafing problems. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That, that and body glide. Yes. Um, the, the improvement in running shoes has been phenomenal over, over the course of the years that shoes are, uh, they're, they're lighter, they're more responsive, they're more durable, just everything about shoes. I mean, I remember when I started selling shoes while I was back in college, the shoes then versus now are just, it's, it's leaps and bounds of improvements. Right. So there's a lot of really great things out there that technology has brought to the running world. Like Kevin's saying, you know, the, the improvement in the gear is definitely, I mean, it's hands down light years ahead of what it used to look like, you know, just 30 years ago even. So um, the the better shoes has led to a lot less injuries and in some cases maybe even more injuries though. You know, I mean, if you, if you think about minimalist versus maximal and all these other types of different shoes, you know, I mean, shoes can be good or bad. You get to a point where there's so much technology out there and it's like, ooh, which kind is going to serve me the best? Which shoes? There used to only be a few shoes that you would choose from. You know, there there was like the standard Converse running shoe and they don't even make like an awesome running shoe anymore. Like it, there's so many shoes out there. Converse used to make a running shoe? There's like the Converse running shoe. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, I just thought about them like in basketball, you yes, know, the like Conver- the, the Chucks. 
Yeah, well, I mean, they were like one of the premier sports shoes, so, whatever it was. Yeah, they had athletic good shoes yes. in general. And now there's so much running specific shoes, and people have racing shoes and racing spikes, and it's insane how many different kinds of shoes are out there. Yeah, that's for sure. So, um, there, like we said, there are definitely pros and cons to all of the technology that's now in running. So, you know, some of the other good things, I mean, there's definitely better shoes, definitely better fabrics in use. Um, a, a lot of the safety gear, that's another, I think, huge improvement that runners have started to incorporate more in their training, like the, the lighted vests and the reflective gear and all of that thing. I know this morning I was rocking my LED little clip on my waist and waved to the people coming coming at me with their glowing neon band vests coming towards me yeah. and a whole thing back and forth. I mean, that's just improved the level of safety so much, you know, just making runners more visible. There's been giant steps forward in terms of nutrition. You know, if you look at like early marathoners, they were going out under the premise that they shouldn't eat anything that morning because it might cause stomach problems. And so people were running marathons with literally no food that morning and maybe sips of water along the way because they were told if you ever took in water, it's going to create a side stitch. Right. And, you know, there's a lot of debate about the correct way to fuel yourself for various distance of races. But in general, we know a lot more about it now. And so people can kind of take that information and test it out and figure out what's best for them. Right. And carbo loading is a little bit altered now. You want to make sure that you're getting all the nutrients and not just, oh, well, I run at least 20 miles a week, so I should eat 95% just spaghetti. Right. Yeah, definitely. Definitely not the recommendation anymore by, by most scientists. Yeah, but really when we think about technology in running, we think about a lot of the watches and activity trackers and apps on our phones and all these other things that we can use to um, track our runs and find out more information about how it is we're running and help us to, you know, pace ourselves, find our distance and all that good stuff. I mean, this, this stuff has been around for a while. I remember in high school, my coach had uh, a few heart rate monitors and he would strap them to all of us. Well, not all of us. The team was like, you know, 60, 70 guys, and he'd put heart rates on a few people and the technology wasn't going that great. So my wrist strap would read like the guy next to me and suddenly there's 10 people and they all have the exact same heart rate because <laughs> it's just recording one guy's out there. But the, the technology has been there and people keep trying to improve. I, I got a, a polar foot pod a years ago when I was working at a running store because I got it for a super discount from working there. And it was one of the first like accelerometers that told you how fast you were going as you were running. Right. So now we have all sorts of fun stuff that can help us to track our runs, which includes like, you know, they solve the foot pods, they have running watches now, and some of the watches have wrist-based heart rates um, on there, so you don't have to even wear the strap around your chest anymore that they, everybody used to have to wear. Um, and there's stuff on your phone, there's just an app you can download if you want to run with your phone. So there's so many things out there that can help give us a ton of information about what we're doing while we're running. And it's all for a really good purpose. You know, the idea is the more information you have, the more precise your training can be. All right, let's look at one of the first aspects of this, heart rate training. The whole idea is if you know what your heart rate is, then you can make sure that you're training to optimize either your aerobic or anaerobic system. 
Right. And that can be super, super helpful to kind of track which system you are training in. Knowing your heart rate is very, very um, helpful in a lot of different situations. But the problem comes in that, you know, a lot of the devices are, can be inaccurate. You know, they're very accurate for the most part. You know, I mean, technology keeps improving by leaps and bounds on a daily basis. I mean, you have, you used to have to wear the chest strap and now they've got the watches that give you your heart rate just, you know, sitting on your wrist. So the technology keeps improving and um, that information allows us to kind of track, you know, are we going too fast? Are we going too slow? Are we, um, you know, in a fat burning zone? Are we in a carbo, you know, sugar burning zone? Like it, it helps us to really um, hone in on our training. Um, but again, there's some problems just because heart rate based training just has its own downfall. Like number one is what is your max heart rate? You know, and these devices can help to kind of um, help us to determine that because if you go all out and have a really hard workout, there's ways that you can determine your maximal heart rate using these devices. Oh yeah. I think the, one of the ones that I, I got, it suggested how to use it to set your maximum heart rate. It's like find a hill that's about 200 meters long, or that's going to take you about a minute to get up and run up the hill really, really hard walk back down to the bottom, and then run up the hill really, really hard again. And by the time you hit the third one, you're probably somewhere near your maximum heart rate. Right. So these devices can help us to determine those things, which then would allow us to, you know, determine the zones that we're in, the different training zones a little bit more accurately. Right. But if if I'm if I'm right on this, and you can put your feedback in on this also, I got to say my maximum heart rate on any given day might not even be identical to the day before. Well, it's like, not. I'm going to have, I'm going to have issues going on. Like what if I'm not feeling good? What if I didn't get great sleep? Right. My zone is literally getting adjusted day by day. And the watch doesn't know that. Like, you know, my, my heart rate tracker is going to say, oh, you need to be in this zone. Because that is the that is the perfect intensity for you to be running at today. Yeah, but like if if that's the case, then you know, say say you don't have sleep or you you know drank or ate a bunch of stuff like we all tend to do during the holidays. Um, you've indulged a little too much. You know that run that you're supposed to do at that given pace is going to probably feel a little bit more difficult if you haven't been treating your body well. But your heart rate is going to reflect that. You know, like if you're supposed to be in a heart rate zone of, say, you know, 150 beats per minute, um, then you're probably going to have to be at a slower pace to hit that if your body hasn't been rested. And does that make sense? No, that's perfect because it also slides right into the second main topic of technology. Heart rate training is a great thing, but so many of these these phones and apps and watches and everything have heart rate and a constant GPS tracking that tells you your pace at all times. Yes. And if you're not feeling great, it's possible that you hit a certain heart rate and you're like, but I should be at a different pace. I should be able to go faster than that. And so then which one do you trust? Do you look at the the training tables that says, this is my goal pace. So in order to run uh, you know, at 60%, I need to be hitting this pace. Or do you look at your heart rate and say, I need to be hitting it at this zone? Right. And I mean, ultimately, that's one of the drawbacks is, you know, what information are you going to use to determine your heart rate or your zone on any given 
any given day. And, you know, that takes us back to, you know, the old um, running by feeling and running by effort and intensity level. That's also part of the the whole sort of art aspect of coaching is being able to to take in so much information and know, okay, I don't need that piece of information today. I don't need that. On this day, I need the person pushing based off of a goal pace. Or on this day, I need them pushing based off of their current effort level. You, you, there's some experience to it where you kind of can, can feel out different athletes and know where they're at that day. There's there's so much information coming in and you can't use all of it because sometimes it it conflicts with itself. Right. I mean, one of the other benefits of using the GPS features on a lot of these things um, is when you are in a new area, say, you know, like when we go out to California to visit your family, like I just, I don't have to sit down and like try to take out a map and figure out how far I need to go and which streets I need to turn on or, or what, like I just take my phone and I, you know, if I'm doing an out and back, I mean, that's super easy. I just run out until my phone tells me I'm at X distance and then I turn around and come back. Oh yeah. Don't get me wrong. I love the GPS mapping on these things. I I used to try and map things out on, uh, on the computer and figure out exactly what my distance was beforehand. Yeah. This morning I wanted to go for six and a half miles and I'm like, well, I'd like to run in this area. And so I I made an out and a back, but I don't know where three and a quarter is. I know where three is. I know where three and a half is. I could have ballparked it, but I felt like being precise this morning, the engineer in me came out and I thought, no, 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 I want to run exactly six and a half. So I had a perfect turnaround spot because my watch told me so. That's hilarious though, because like today was like the first time that you haven't run with your watch. Right. But I ran with my phone. (laughs) Oh, okay. There you go. Um, while you wait for your new technology watch to come in. So the GPS definitely makes it easier to kind of plan out where you're running and how far you're running. Um, That's definitely a big advantage to a lot of this. But um, is there anything else you wanted to say kind of about pacing and that kind of thing? Well, I I know when I go off on on pacing... on my last training cycle, my last like big major training for the last marathon, I actually did a lot of runs on a treadmill because it can tell you exactly your pace. You just set the pace and, and that's what you're running at. And I can do it on a watch, but it's it's trickier. And, you know, as as the terrain changes, you kind of keep looking down and, and your watch doesn't update exactly. It's it's a way to like a treadmill is a way to know your pace constantly because it'll do it your watch will kind of do it running around a track will kind of do it but whatever bit of technology everyone no matter when this was you go back to like the a 20 dollars timex people still knew roughly where the mile marks were on the run they, w- they would go out for so everybody had some way of gauging it's just that the feedback on on a wrist now is so constant that you have to decide whether it is information that you need to use right then or or not you know because having a pace that you're supposed to run might not be the pace for you on that particular day there's so many things that could change how you feel on any given day yes absolutely and I, and the other thing too is um, it can become even like a safety issue if people are constantly looking at their watch or at their phone they're not necessarily looking at the road ahead of them and I know, I know that like a lot of runners in my group like they they fall, you know, because they're not paying attention to the road in front of them or to the sidewalk in front of them and they trip on something and, and they end up, you know, scraping up their knees or whatnot. And so I think that a lot of times, you know, people are constantly checking their watches. That can be a negative also. You know, they're kind of like tethered to that instead of just feeling what they should be running that day. You know, it's it's kind of led to people 
um, to not trust their bodies and only trust what's on their wrist. And that is the biggest downfall of the GPS strapped to you is people have lost contact with their own bodies. Mm -hmm. They have no idea. Like if, if I say, okay, well, you need to go out and run at like an eight minute pace or, you know, a six minute mile pace, whatever that is. I used to be a whole heck of a lot better at at hitting that pace before I strapped more things to my wrist. Really? Yeah. You feel like you've declined since then? I really feel like I've declined. Oh, that's interesting. It's part of why on on my last training thing, I was running more on a treadmill. I can hit certain paces spot on. Yeah, you're like a robot out there. Uh, I can hit basically spot on seven, and I know if I'm feeling good, it'll dip down to like 650. And it'll be, you know, 650 per mile, plus or minus three seconds. Like that's my zone. I got it. Right. I mean, and, and I think that, you know, that's definitely, um, it can be a negative, but it's, it can also be a positive for those of us that haven't been running for a long time and don't know what those paces feel like, you know, so going out for a run and knowing, okay, this is what eight minute pace feels like. This is what nine minute pace feels like 10 minute pace, etc. Like that is really helpful to help me. And, you know, I don't know other people as well, um, to figure out, what those paces should feel like. All right. That's, that's an awesome perspective. Thank you for throwing that one in. But let me add on top of that. If you're going out there and you're using the, the constant pace update to be like, oh, that's what this pace feels like, have that be your source of technology. Don't have your wrist telling you your pace and music playing in your ears or the podcast going because then you're not tuning into your body. You still need to actually feel feel what that pace is without a million other distractions going on. Okay. I see what you're saying about that. So there's also um, some other tools that a lot of these technology um, pieces will allow us to have. And and those are race predictions. I know that, you know, on um, my Garmin, like there's a thing where I can look up and it'll tell me, you know, based on my VO2 max, which Garmin also, you know, estimates based on, I think, my pace and my intensity and my heart rate during my runs. um, It's giving me my VO2 max. And then based on that, it gives me um, a prediction of how fast I'll be able to run a 5K a 10k a half marathon and a marathon that's hysterical i think it's fantastic and these tables have been around for a while um now it's now it's a table strapped to your wrist and built onto a chip somewhere but like the tables have existed and you could look them up i mean i've got i have an actual book with actual real pieces of paper inside of it what what is that i know it has (laughs) vo2 tables in it and i mean this this term we keep throwing out there is like your body's ability to take in oxygen turn it into usable fuel and and make yourself go faster right Right. So it's the amount of oxygen that you consume during any given activity. And so VO2 max, I mean, really, you know, a lot of these devices um, are estimating it and or there's different, you know, ways that you can estimate what your VO2 max. But the true way to do it is to get on a treadmill. You have to have like a mask strapped to your face so that it can actually measure the amount of oxygen that you consume during an activity. That is really the only way to truly know your VO2 max. There's a picture of it in the actual paper book that I have next to the table oh yeah yeah it's a cool looking mask oh yeah it's a very it's a very um involved setup um imagine <laughs> running the, with that on a treadmill like that's um, oh the picture is also from a while ago so he's wearing some super old school shoes and the short shorts and i think has a mustache that he's trying to shove into the oxygen mask and the long socks too oh yeah it's a good it's a really nice shot nice <laughs> Nice. So yeah, so there's, but there's, you know, various ways that you can estimate these things. And the, and all of these tools really do help um, 
you know, affect the details of our training. They, they really are helpful in a lot of ways, as long as we don't get completely tied to them. Like as well, as long as we realize, you know, that they are just estimates, that they are not the be all and end all. And if you don't hit that predicted race time that your Garmin told you to hit, it's going to be okay. Well, that's the thing is the Garmin predicts, okay, well, you went off for a five mile run at like a normal pace. It, it estimates your VO2 max off of anything. It'll do it off of a 5k race. It'll do it off of like an easy five miler and it'll throw a number out there and it'll say, cool, based off of that, you can run a marathon like this. And it does continuously update though. You right, know, but the first time it puts it out there, it's like, oh, you could run a, a marathon this fast. Like, okay, but I've never run farther than five miles in my life. Right. I, I bet you can't run a marathon that fast then. Well, and if you go on the Garmin website or if you read the manual, it says, and there's like the little asterisk that says, if you have done the training for it or something to that effect. Right, which is what comes with all these tables of if you train 5K specific, then you can use the tables to predict a good time. You know, right. you, if you're hitting these types of workouts, you can probably race this fast. And then if you change and you're hitting half marathon type workouts, you could probably hit a similar time. If your training has actually supported that, you know, there, there's formulas around there, like race equivalent formulas, and they help predict, but they're all based off of your training actually being geared towards the appropriate race. Right. And the other thing we absolutely have to keep in mind is that people are not robots. Like, you know, mathematics and the tables, and I mean, you are the spreadsheet wizard, you know, that, uh, you know, you love the numbers and crunching the numbers and figuring out pacing and distances and percentages and how to structure, you know, a training plan to achieve the op optimal result. But ultimately, people are not robots and we have other things in our life that affect the way that we run each training run and race every race, you know, whether or not you just had a baby and you are lacking in sleep or you're not eating enough food because you're so busy taking care of your kids and your job and everything else. Like, yes, you know, based on this one workout or, you know, these couple of workouts, you might be able to run this time, but you know, is your training there to support you? Is your sleeping there to support you? Is your eating there to support you? Like all of those things play a role. And when people sometimes get so tied to these numbers, I feel like it leads to a lot of disappointment, you know, if they don't hit those times because, you know, life gets in the way. You know, one of one of my friends, she's training for a half marathon and she has this time that's in her head that she's been trying to hit for multiple half marathons and she hasn't gotten it now. And her training, you know, has been going really well. We made a plan for her. And this week she went to visit her family up north and she got really, really sick. So she hasn't been able to run this week and she is so upset and frustrated and, you know, she's worried about the time that she wants to hit, you know, whether or not this week of, of missing her training is going to affect that. And I mean, who knows? It may or it may not, you know, based on kind of how the rest of her training goes. Um, but Sometimes I feel like when we get so attached to a certain number that we don't give ourselves the grace and we don't appreciate the journey that we've been on, you know, how far we've come and um, it can lead to some negative feelings when there doesn't really need to be. Yeah, especially if that number isn't isn't something that really means means a 
much to you. If that number was just thrown out there by some sort of computer algorithm that said, no, 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 you should be able to run this. There's a lot more to it than simply saying, okay, well, if I do workouts X, Y, and Z, I get this performance. That says that, yes, your body should be able to physically do it. But uh, anybody who's been in a race before, especially towards the latter stages of a race, knows there's a whole heck of a lot more than what your body can physically do. There's a lot of what your mind can tell your body that it can physically do. And if your mind's not in it, it doesn't matter what the workout is. You know, oh, it's like, oh, well, back when people were trying to originally break the four-minute mile, they were doing workout after workout after workout that said you should be able to break four. But there were also people out there saying, well, yeah, but if you break four, your heart's going to explode. That's hard to go to the starting line with, <laughs> you know? So it took a while before somebody did it. And then Bannister broke four and suddenly within the next couple of years, four other people did. It's not because there were huge advances in technology or training. It's because the mental barrier was taken away and suddenly it was like, oh, I won't die if I break four minutes and then suddenly people could do it. Right. And that's something that these the technology doesn't necessarily take in mind is the mental adapt adaptations that you need during your training. You know, that like there's sometimes where you shouldn't be hitting certain paces because, you know, that's not the workout that you need mentally that day or psychologically. Like you need um, certain workouts and that literally just all they are designed for is to build your confidence or build your mental toughness. Like that's what that workout is. Yes. That was awesome. Not just to build your confidence, but sometimes to build your ability to deal with something going very wrong. Right. You know, it's, it's one of my favorite and least favorite workouts that I throw in during cross country season is all right. Now you're going to start um, you're going to start this workout with two quarters really, really fast. And and then we start doing some longer intervals after that. And the kids are like, why are we starting with the sprinting intervals? Like uh, the, the rest of the workout's going to be so painful. I'm like, yes. Have you ever started a race a little bit too fast? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Today's going to help your mind figure out how to deal with that. Yeah. Because it's going to happen. Or, you know, the workout where, all right, I want you to hit this pace on every quarter. Go, go, go. I did this to a kid a few years ago. I told him that they were hitting 74s the whole way through. And then they were on number six. And I said, good, 65, go. What? <laughs> and they, they looked at me like I had a second head. I'm like, no, no, 65, go. And they're like, are you cutting the rest of the workout? I said, no, hit this one in 65 and go. And, and they took off and they did it. And then they came back and they looked at me on the next one like, oh God, what is he going to say now? <laughs> now how fast am I supposed to do it? Uh-huh. And without changing the rest, without giving any extra time, I put them right back onto the previous pace. Because sometimes in a race... People are like, all right, now I'm going to throw a little surgeon in the middle of it. You need to be able to deal with it. That's true. There's a lot of different things that could show up that could go wrong in the middle of a race. If you're in the middle of a half marathon, you need a bathroom break. Yeah. You need to stop. But what if you were running with that pace guy? You need to get back to the pacer. So you need to take a break and then throw a little surgeon, be able to catch back up to him and then flow right back in without mentally losing it. Wow. Yeah, that's... Amazing. And and it's so true. But, you know, this technology stuff, I mean, that that doesn't 
account for any of that stuff. No, no, no. Your yeah. watch tells you based off of perfect ideal conditions. Right. There's not a hill on the course. There's no wind. There's nobody that you need to run around. There's just, it's a perfect straightaway on a calm day of 55 degrees. <laughs> like that's not happening. Life is there. There's other scenarios and you need to be able to deal with them. That's, that's what you got to get out of the training. Right. And so like we like to do, you know, connecting this to life, you know, I mean, we're not robots and the best, you know, plan out there, the best predictor, the best, you know, technology that you can have, like you can have so much stuff in life, but if you, if it doesn't mean anything to you, if your emotions aren't involved, if you're not totally in it, then what's the point? Yeah, I forget what the actual quote directly is. You might have this one, but it's something to the effect of uh, we make the plans and then God laughs. Something to that effect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I love that one. Um, but but yeah, I mean, even the best laid plans or even the best things can sometimes go awry and you have to be able to adapt to them and um, and realize that it doesn't always go your way. Right. That's where the emotion comes in. If you've got a goal out there because your watch told you that should be your goal, if you don't really want it, if it's not connected to you on, on like a deep emotional level, when it starts hurting and you know in a race it's going to start hurting, you're going to fade and be like, well, maybe I don't need to get that goal. Because it didn't mean something to you. You know, I've got a number in my head for this race coming up. Ben, it means something to me. And if I start falling off that pace, I'm going to give it everything I possibly have to still try and hit 72 for a half marathon because that number means something to me. And slipping back and being like, eh, 75 will be okay. It's not. Like 72 is what I want. Yeah. And, you know, that all, all of this, you know, definitely connects to just technology in the real world that we're living in right now, you know, about technology keeps us connected to a lot of people in a lot of different ways. Like Kevin's parents live across the country from us. We're in Florida. They're in California. The fact that we can talk to them for free and even FaceTime with them, you know, see them on the phone, like that allows for a much more human connection. And our girls know them. They love them. And there's, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, obviously we would love to see them more, but, you know, it, kind of makes up for the time that we don't get to be with them physically in person. But on the other hand, you know, technology can also lead to a lack of personal connection. One of th one thing that really annoys me is when I go to a restaurant and I see five people sitting around a table and they're all staring at their phones and they're not talking to each other. Oh, that is, that's the, it's, it's not the worst, but I mean, that is so aggravating. Right. I go down to the, uh, the dining hall in high school all the time. How many tables have that? I mean, the majority of the tables. And they're texting each other. Yes. That's the best part is they are definitely texting the person sitting next to them. Instead of looking up and talking to them, they text them. Right. So don't be tethered to your technology, either in running or in real life. Put the phone down, put the watch away, you know, go out sometimes without a watch even. Some of my running girls, like, they joke, like, if it wasn't on the on the Garmin, it didn't actually happen. It did. You know, sometimes it's okay to, to run without a watch or to run without technology, just mm. like it's, it's... It's running naked, that's the term. Running naked, is yeah. that what they call it mm -hmm. now? That's hilarious. Um, you know, just like sometimes, like sometimes you need to put your phone down and just spend time with your kids or with your spouse without the phone and the technology and everything buzzing and keeping us on high alert at all times. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the other things 
and technology and, and any goal that, that you're aiming for, don't let technology limit you either. Okay. Because there's also, if, if the, the watch or whatever it is says, this is my limit, maybe your heart says, no, my limit is significantly higher than that. So don't let, let small goals and let other people tell you what your, your limit is because you can never discount emotion and heart to take you to another higher level. I love it. Sounds like a good place to wrap up. Perfect. All right, guys. So thank you so much for joining us today. Um, and if you haven't checked out our website yes, yet, please go over to realliferunners.com and check it out. Um, again, we are running a special for the end of the year. If you want to sign up for one of our premium membership plans, um, it's it's just a small uh, monthly fee and you get access to our whole training library, our exercise library. We've got lots of training plans. I'm going to start adding in some injury prevention um, programs in there. There's a whole ton of a lot of stuff in there for you guys. And um, just to keep keep you running, keep you, you running um, without injury and safely. And um, so if you want to go check that out, go over to realliferunners.com. And um, if you use the code podcast, you will get... 10% off of your first month of membership as well as a free customized four-week training plan. So head on over, check it out, and we will catch you guys next week.